Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hello, Moto America fans. Welcome to this latest edition of Off Track with Crothers and Bice. We are at Brainerd International Raceway. It's another video version of our podcast, which is always good for our guests and always good for our communications manager, Paul Crothers. Not so good for me. It's hot out and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm wilting a little bit here. Something's going on. What do you think it is, Paul? Um, it's either breast sweat. Or lactation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You need to know. You know. You know a third one. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I shouldn't wear uh, this color shirt. I guess. But anyway, we're we're here today. We're we're with uh, Jake Lewis, who has been in our paddock for quite a while and ridden a lot of different bikes. Jake's very versatile. He's kind of been in and out of the series a little bit, but he's definitely back with a vengeance now. He's racing in two classes. Uh, he's racing for Team Saddleman in King of the Baggers, and he's also racing for Disrupt. Disrupt Racing in Supersport aboard a Suzuki GSXR 750. So, you know, Jake is, um, when he used to ride a 600, he was always, you know, it was, I don't know how he folded himself onto those bikes. And, you know, I, he's, I don't think he's any taller now, but, you know, he had to kind of do that again, that, that GSXR 750 is a little bit smaller of statue, stature than the, uh, the baggers bike, but we're going to talk about ergonomics and lots of other things. So Jake, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Like Let you said, it's been a busy year. Been riding a lot of bikes and uh, been a lot of fun. Do you feel like it's kind of a you? It seems like you're kind of back. I mean, you're you're going to be around for a while. I think. I mean, obviously, that's the plan is to ride motorcycles as long as I can. I don't know if I'm like back, you know, because I haven't been on the box this year, which is kind of frustrating. But it has been fun riding Super Sport now, filling in for Corey Ventura, and then. Uh, Riding the bagger class and then the hooligan class. I haven't had much luck oh, in the, the hooligans. hooligans. Yeah. I forgot to I mention forgot about that. that too. Yeah, Mission Super Hooligan <laughs> National Championship. I apologize for that. And you're on an Indian FTR 1200. No, my oh. God. Let's start this again. <laughs> Get me in trouble already. Holy <laughs> crap. Well, we need to talk about this because it's hard for me to understand. I kind of remember when HD was going to have the Pan America involved. And that's what you ride is a Pan America. And, and you ride with um, Corey West, who we had recently had on the podcast. So my apologies to Indian. It's 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 a bike. It's an ADV bike that they've turned into a, a pretty significant weapon in super hooligans. So we've got three classes to talk about. And again, my apologies for messing that up. I think it's the heat and, and the sweats get in my head. But but anyway, Jake. So the I think you started back with us, 2015 with, with and it was and it was baggers. Well, you started with us. I, no, no, I, I'm not going back to when oh. you started. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm saying when you started back with us recently, it was kind of baggers that brought you back. But while you've been involved, you've picked up the other stuff or was hooligan part of the, the deal from the beginning as well? Well, so, I mean, it, I've been back since 21. You know, I did the Stock right. 1000 and Superbike last year. Right. And, then, and won the championship. Yeah, and Stock 1000 yes. and Superbike uh, kind of up and down the year last year. And then uh, really didn't have like a whole lot going into this year. Right. So, uh, you know, the baggers just picked up a lot of steam and uh, financially it's good, especially for someone like myself. Uh, I have to, this is what I do for a living. So it's like, I have to make money doing it. And the baggers presented that opportunity. So that's where I ended up. And I was just doing baggers until I think around three or four for 600s. And right. Ventura got hurt at Barber in the endurance race. 
So that was three rounds in for them. And Jesse called me and asked if I wanted to do that. So uh, filled in for Corey on Supersport. And then the hooligan deal just kind of came around. You know, I told him I wanted to ride it because I tested it for like three, four laps at Roebling Road. And I uh, saw how well Corey did on it at Daytona. And I was like, I want to get a, be a part of that as well because that was before the Supersport gig came up. So it's like I could do baggers and hooligans pretty easily, go back back and forth. But unfortunately, the hooligan, you know, it's so new new of a bike. Uh, at the first round I did at the Ridge, I f- uh, rode the Suicide Machine bike. And then at Laguna, I was on the Saddleman bike. But we had a problem the first day, so I didn't get to end up racing that. And, you know, there's only a few of those rounds. So I'll do the last one at Coda as well. And uh, so this weekend, you know, it'll just be double duty, bagger, super sport. Right. Okay. Is, is, is the bagger thing more difficult than you thought it was going to be? At first, yeah. I mean, the first day I rode, it was at Roaming Road. And uh, I did like two or three laps. And I was like, man, this is this is crazy because I just see how fast those guys were going last year. The lap times they're doing on them is pretty impressive, and it's just so much different than a sport bike. Uh, for one, you know, I went out there and the, the as much vibration as those bikes have, it's like completely different than a sport bike. You know, they're more of like buzz and but they're really stable. Where the baggers, you have to ride them a little bit loose, and the things definitely vibrate a lot more than sport bikes. But uh, I've been progressing on it, you know. Uh, Obviously, the factory Harley guys, the Vance and Hines guys, and the Indian guys are on good equipment and going fast, but we're getting a little bit closer to them, so that's been exciting. And I think I'm six in the points, which, you know, isn't too bad behind right. all those good riders. Yeah, I mean, it's been good. No, let, so let's just reset this again. It's three di- very different motorcycles. Two of them are Harley Davidsons. One of them is a road glide. It's a touring bike. The other one is a, is an ADV bike, a Pan America, which is only been out for a couple of years. It's a, it's a V-Twin 1250, but they actually restrict the air on it a little bit. And then you've got, you're riding on a super sport bike, which is a bike you did have done a lot of riding with. If you had to pick one, your favorite bike of those three to ride, and I don't know if I can get you to do that because you it's have a in trouble. To, well, I don't know. Is that a question? Should I not ask you what your favorite one is to ride or the one that you feel most comfortable on right now? No, I mean, it's not a bad question at all. Okay. I mean, they all have their ups and downs. And uh, at Laguna, literally the uh, Friday, it was back-to-back-to-back sessions. So right. three sessions in a row of pretty much two hours of riding. So it, it's tough jumping back and forth because each bike has their uh, – you know, better quality than the other bike. And it does take, you know, probably two laps to get used to a sport bike being crouched over. And uh, I'm pretty big on the 750. And then the bagger, you know, you're sitting more upright with wide bars and uh, it's definitely taller and a lot heavier than the sport bike. And then the Pan America, honestly, kind of reminds me of a dirt bike. I don't have a whole lot of time on it yet, but, uh, you know, the way the front end's kind of kicked out on that thing, it's it's hard to tell what the front end's doing, but it's just, uh, it's good for me. You know, I've, I can switch back and forth bikes pretty easily. I grew up dirt tracking and even back home, you know, I'll jump on buddy's bike and go back and forth. And I feel like that helps me, you know, as if you put someone else on the paddock on three different bikes, just like that, it's going to be more tough for them to uh, learn how to, how to ride the bike and adapt that quickly. Yeah. And in recent years, you've done quite a bit of woods riding. Now with you riding so much in our series, have you been able to do any woods riding at all lately? Uh, I could, but I don't. I don't really want to. Yeah. I, and I kind of screwed myself in the past by getting hurt. So uh, during the season now, I kind of learned my lesson not, not to break bones, uh, jump in and ride in the woods, doing those races. You know, especially as a racer, you know, I've rode in the woods a lot since I was a little kid, and then even motocross. And so I get out there, and the adrenaline gets going, and uh, that's when injuries happen. You know, you want to run at the front in any kind of class you're racing, but. Uh, now, just kind of keep the wheels on the ground. I have a badass turn track in my house, and then it's been awesome. You know, Tommy Hayden and uh, 
the Essenson boys have got the Sunset Downs turn track going back. So uh, we've been right out there once or twice a week with the Essenson boys, and that's been fun. You know, that's good training and uh, kind of what I like to do. Have you been able to get Roger out or no? No, that uh, everyone's been asking me, but, uh, you know, I, he hasn't got the itch yet, I don't guess. Uh, he, he came up there one day when we were riding, but he didn't really check out the track. But, uh, heck, he lives, you know, in the quarter mile away from the Sunset Downs, so I know he hears us, but uh, he doesn't even have a bike right now, but we can – hopefully get him out there before too long. Surely he has a little bit of itch to ride because he hasn't rode anything since uh, he retired. The other question I had for you is you, the bagger is the most difficult parts leaving the pits and coming in, but can you touch flat footed or on your toes at least? Uh, surprisingly not like flat footed on both feet. You know, if I, wow. if I put both feet down, I'm tippy toeing, but no other guy can even get close to doing that. But right. it, uh Coming in is not a problem for me, but my teammate, you know, Patricia, she's 5'4 <laughs> or something. She's pretty small, and uh, it's kind of scary watching her come in and take off just because she can barely touch. But even, you know, me, I'm almost 6'4", and uh, I can't touch flat-footed, so that just kind of goes to show you how tall those bikes are. With a bike that heavy, does your size – it probably doesn't hurt as much. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. I mean, you know, it's a, <laughs> the minimum weight, 620 pounds, so if I'm <laughs> – 20 to 40 pounds heavier than those guys. I mean, it's not like I'm losing too much horsepower or anything like that. And, you know, with my leverage, I do have, a, I think, a little bit of an advantage as far as, you know, leaning those things over. I think that's one of the biggest parts of uh, the baggers is, you know, on the left-hand side, you got to worry about scraping the primary case and then the right-hand side, the pipe. So, I mean, it's pretty impressive, like, how far of lean angle those bikes can, can go. But uh, it's just improving every round, you know. They keep getting uh, – closer and closer lap times and faster lap times. So it's, it's pretty cool. You touched on something before I want to expand on it. It's something, I remember Josh Hayes telling me this. It's one of the only sports, motorcycle racing, road racing, is one of the only sports where you guys really don't practice your specific craft because you can't. You don't have a track. You don't have a road race bike at home. Well, you could, but you don't have a track. So what you do is you do, well, you used to do wood, woods racing. You'd have turn tracks. Um, you have to do things that are sort of related, but it's still not the same as opposed to like a baseball player. My God, they get so much batting practice and fielding practice. You know, they're constantly working on their game. A golfer's doing that. You aren't really able to do that, but you do kind of get involved in some sort of seat time and you're getting a lot in our series. What does that give you? Is it a balance thing? Is it a, is it a reaction time, uh, dealing with the speed, throttle control? What, what is it that you get the most out of riding? Just riding, anything. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, it's what, what's perfect. I mean, we go six months without riding a rotary spike, or at least myself, you know, from the time Barber ends, which is usually the last round this year, it's New Jersey. So from September to March, I mean, we don't ride it. You know, I think a lot of people at home think we're practicing and working on our craft a lot. But, you know, luckily growing up and uh, even a few years ago, you know, I did some riding out west, which helps. But, you know, you take off six months on a rotary spike, you're going to be rusty coming back. So, uh I try to flat track in the wintertime, ride woods, ride motocross. I mean, it's just being on a bike, you know, all the throttle control balance, you know, especially road racing the eyes, you know, this, how far you're looking forward and this, the speed at what things are coming at you is, uh, it's pretty crazy when you've took a lot of time off, but you know, these back-to-back -back rounds and like when the rounds are close, I mean, you go out in two, three laps and, uh, you're up to speed where, you know, the club level guys and just, you know, guys that don't really understand the speed of Moto America, they come to our rounds and, you know, the, especially on the baggers, we get 20 minutes of practice and then we go qualify. So it's like, you better show up and be ready to go as soon as uh, you get the bike unloaded off the truck. Tell us a little bit about the super sport program. I mean, you came into it late cause Corey got hurt, but you got fourth at Laguna Seca. 
No, no sixth. Six at Laguna Seca. Where were you fourth? Uh, the, the Ridge. Ridge. Yeah. Okay, so that was your best finish. And I mean, you you could see the podium, right? Is that, I mean, it's got to be pretty motivating that you're doing so well. Yeah, that's for sure the goal on Supersport is to fight for the box. I mean, uh, it was a little bit frustrating at Laguna. You know, I definitely had the speed to put it on the box because before the pit stop, uh, obviously, uh, Josh and Chavi kind of checked out on us, but it was me, Stefano, T. Cobbs, Tyler Scott, all in a group. And I actually felt like I had a little bit of speed on them, you know, because before the pit stop, I'd gotten in front of Stefano, Teague, and Tyler pit a little bit earlier than me. But my strategy was to go as long as I could before the pit window closed because I would be on the freshest tire at the end of the race. But unfortunately, you know, the pit stop wasn't the best. And I was looking at the lap sheet, you know, they, M4 guys were 12 seconds uh, faster than us in the pit. So I came up over the hill in turn one and they're already going in turn two. And I was like, you know, my race is done, but I, I, it's, been, it's been a fun time. You know, obviously one of the biggest guys uh, on the 600, which Greg White has to say something every single uh, broadcast, but I mean, I'm doing pretty dang good on it. I feel like, and that's my goal is to battle for the box. It had, it had been a while since I'd raced 600 competitively, you know, it's 2014, uh, since I'd raced like competitively on a 600, which is a long time ago, yeah. but the 750, uh, it's a pretty good bike. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of fast guys going on on those bikes, and uh, hopefully this weekend I can fight for the box. For those of us that have been around for a while, you you still seem like the kid to us, but now you're like really racing against kids, and you're like a veteran. Does that is that weird for you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I still feel like a kid. I mean, I'm 27 now. Like when you look at it, I mean, that's pretty old for our sport. But I'm for sure racing against 16, 17 year old kids, and I just remember when I came in, like how hungry I was and motivated I was to to be at the front. And I still kind of have that same motivation, you know, it's just, I don't want to get my ass beat by little kids. And then obviously Josh is 40, you know, 40, how road he is. I mean, he's still doing good. So yeah. it's like, I don't think age really, I mean, you might slow down, but it doesn't really bother me. And I don't look at it that way. I mean, I'm still just as hungry and uh, want to do good as I, when I was a little kid. I want to talk more about that super sport ride, especially with disrupt racing and working with Jesse Wilkin and that team. <laughs> I don't know. I would assume maybe there was some influence on the fact that Hayden Gillum was on the team. So maybe that's one of the reasons. And you know, Jesse, from that relationship. But tell us how you can. I know it's because of replacement for Corey. But how did it come about? Was he was had he talked to you prior to this at all? Um, a little bit. You know, Jesse had not about riding super sport, uh, even last, you know, last year or the year before that, before I rode for M4, he was kind of wanting me to ride for the team. And then last fall, I asked him what I was doing. So it's kind of been, you know, back and forth. I mean, every rider talks to pretty much every team in the paddock. So, uh, right. this year, you know, I was just going to do baggers and unfortunately Corey got hurt pretty bad at Barber yeah. and put him out for the season. And then, so the Monday after, uh, Hayden called me and he's like, how much do you weigh? And I was like, well, who are you, Chris Orich? <laughs> asking how much I weigh. Uh, you and, should ask, yeah. right? <laughs> you just said less than you. And then uh, I did, honestly didn't even know Corey crashed at Barber. You know, I didn't. I didn't watch it, the race and they weird. didn't show it. Yeah, so. we didn't. We yeah, knew it, was, it, but only from anecdotally. We didn't see it. It was really strange. Yeah, yeah. So they they told me how bad an injury he had, and I was like, well, he's going to be out for a while. And then Jesse called me on the Monday. And, uh, I was like, for sure I'll do it. You know, I was kind of in the position where I'll ride anything this year and, uh, it's a good bike and it's good to ride sport bike. You know, it, once you go to the baggers, it's like, you don't want to lose your name in the sport bike. So I think it's good to do both, you know, and cause you don't know how long the baggers is going to last. I mean, it has a ton of steam now, but I like doing both. You know, I grew up sport bikes. I've been riding them since I was eight years old and I think it's good to do both and just uh, get that experience. 
Yeah, I mean, we mentioned, we referred to the fact that the last podcast we had Corey West on, and I'd forgotten that you guys were teammates. So you were you were together with Vezra Suzuki. Was it Mark Young was the uh, team owner at that point? Yeah, who, so it's pretty crazy. You know, yeah. it's 2012, my first year pro. Uh, I was 16, and Corey's probably 10 or 11 years older than I was. So, I mean, we obviously knew each other back then, but we weren't super close where now I'm a little bit older and he's older. So it's like we have more in common and can talk a little bit more than we did back then. But it's kind of funny, you know, Mark was the team owner back then and now Mark's the crew chief at Disrupt. So it's like full circle, you know, riding Suzuki's back then, now riding a Suzuki for them at Disrupt. And, uh, you know, I like being teammates with Corey. It's cool. Yeah, and and also obviously the 750. I mean, it's a different bike than the the thousand, but it's a Suzuki. Do you and do you and Hayden talk uh, back and forth at all? Because he's he's obviously developing a superbike and stock 1000. So I mean, it's tough on the race weekends. We honestly don't talk much at all. Like, okay, uh, you know, I spend a lot of my time at the Saddleman rig because yeah, that's my do. main priority. <laughs> right. And then with Jesse, it's like. I jump off that thing and have to pretty much come ride the bagger, but uh, I'll, I'll give him like a five-minute debrief. I, you know, I try to obviously hang out at the Disrupt 10 a little bit too, but Hayden's so busy too. I mean, he's doing stock thousand super bike and baggers, so he's just as busy as I am most weekends, so we don't really get to catch up and talk a whole lot. But even back home, you know, we'll get out and play golf, but – for, for Hayden to answer his phone, it takes a special person. And, uh, <laughs> I think he's still got a couple of texts from me hanging on his phone that he hasn't returned, but I'm not going to take it personally because I think he does it to everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things we learned from Corey is you have a little bit of an innovation on your bike, uh, the bagger's bike, the rear uh, wheel. You've got two different um, brake calipers on it, and you got a thumb brake. And, a, and it started out, Corey was testing it. Now I think we had heard it's on Corey's bike, and it's on yours. And Patricia's, have, do you have it on your bike, and do you use it? Yeah, I had it for the first time at Laguna. At Road America, we tried uh – the thumb break, but it was it was just one caliper and had a big problem with it. So we just kind of went away from it. And then Corey had good luck at Road America with the thumb break and the, you know, obviously the hand front break. So I used it at Laguna and it's definitely different. You know, I had one on my super bike back in the day, a thumb break, but uh, on the bagger, it's it just tough in a few spots, but it definitely does help. You know, the Vance and Hans boys and Kyle and Travis use it quite a bit. And oh, I they like have it, it too. Yeah, they, they don't oh. have they don't have the two calipers, but they have the thumb brake and the and handbrake. I, mean, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, so all these all these bikes, I mean, there's if you're running in the front, you got to use the heck out of the rear brake because you're trying to slow down a 620 pound bike. So you want both brakes as much as you can. And then even through the turn, you know, I was following James at Laguna and he's leaving a big blackie through the middle of the turn and like following him. I was like, something's going on with his bike. But then I looked and he's just leaving a big blackie through the middle of the turn from holding that thumb brake. And if you look at pictures and watch videos, I mean, those Vance and Hans boys are on it a lot. So I think it's something that we need to get used to and uh, learn how to how to use it better because I feel like it definitely is worth some time. seems like it'd be hard to get used to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you just don't think about it. You know, I mean, you're in a right hand turn with your elbow out and you're like, you know, your, your hands on the thumb brake, but that's what those guys are doing. Like you're on an ATV. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's weird too, because like the foot brake is a different feel than the thumb brake. It seems like you can kind of feel where you're at with the thumb brake better. Right. 
Uh, in some in some spots, I mean, uh, the foot brake. I mean, you use that on pretty much every bike. Right. But, uh, the thumb brake that does have good feel. Like I was using it in like three or four of the turns at Laguna, but it's it's a little bit different than the, than the foot brake. I'm just so used to the foot brake over the years, so the thumb brake's going to take a little bit to get used to. Right. But but certainly the rear end. I mean, a flat tracker and what you do. That's so n- native to what you do, obviously, right? Yeah. I mean, I hadn't flat tracked for like three years until this year, and I, I bought a dirt bike. You know. I, j- the main reason I bought a dirt bike was to do the Nikki ride uh, back at home. You know, there's a big race at the, our local fairgrounds, but uh, it, def- it does help me on the bagger. You know, these things are always kind of sideways, and then especially coming out of the turn, I mean, they're a lot more loose and move around a lot more than the sport bike, where the sport bike is more wheels in line. You know, you're over the front end, where the bagger's a little bit more loose for sure. Are you, well, I don't know if you have any inside information on this or even if you're going to reveal it, but we're obviously paying attention to the fact that JD, I think, is at the end of his contract with Estenson, and I think Dallas Daniels maybe too. Um, JD loves road racing. Um, do you think he's coming back, or do you think he's? <laughs> what, do you have any idea? Have you talked to him? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think he wants to road race. I mean, all of us love road racing, and then especially with Hayden being in the paddock, you know, and Summer and Stone come to most of the races. I think he misses road racing a lot, but uh, he's at a point where it's like you got to financially, you know, you have to you have to make money, but. I think he misses road racing, and uh, who knows, we might see him back towards the end of the season, even in the paddock. He's got an R6, huh? Yeah, he goes does, does a lot of track days in Bowling Green, so uh, keeps him fresh. And I mean, obviously, JD's one of the hardest working guys in across flat track. Uh, I mean, any, any sport, really. I mean, he always is busting his ass, so he's, he's going to be in shape for whatever he's going to do. So can you tell us, what what is it about road racing? I mean, I know I love it. I know it's my preferred form. But I don't race, but I love seeing you guys. Why do you, what is it about it? Why is it, is it better to you? Is it because I've heard everything from, well, you don't get as dirty to, you know, some people say, well, there's a lot of stuff, but I mean, is it the speed? Is it the way it feels? Can you describe what you like about it? I I think the biggest difference is, yeah, the speed. And then you don't do this. I mean, flat tracks, they don't do the same track, but they're, they're just going in a circle. I mean, you know, besides the TTs, but. For us, you know, it's like we come here, it's a three-day weekend, and you're all, you're trying to get whatever you can out of the track, and it's always, uh, you know, riding on that fine line and hitting your marks where dirt track, I mean, like I said, it's just going in a circle. I mean, obviously, you guys love dirt track. I love dirt track, but I kind of got just bored of it, and when, when I started road racing, I was like, this is a hell of a lot better than going in a circle, but uh, JD, you know, I think he likes doing both, but I think he just misses the road race paddock. You know, this is just... Uh, it's fun and something different than dirt tracking. You know, we always grew up dirt tracking and did that for 10 years. And now road racing was something new. So I think, he, you know, it's, it's fun to go back and forth. I think if he could still go back and forth, he would do it. But a lot of the rounds conflict now. So there's no way. I can't pitch him on a bagger, though. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's you still. Know? Yeah, he's a, he's a little guy. But <laughs> yeah, he... I think he's got a. You know, the attack bike with Peterson being out all year, I mean, I don't know if I, I saw where Hayes is just doing Brainerd. So, I mean, there's a possibility Jiggy Dog could we, be back. We thought that, too. I mean, we were wondering how it was going to go and thought he would be a candidate having ridden that bike before. So, I, I have a just a off-the-wall question for you, Jake. Have you ever have you ever done a, had a perfect lap on the track? I, I've heard that question before with yeah, other guys. And I know. I don't know if there's such thing as, like, a perfect right. lap. I mean, you look at all your splits and – you you know your ideal lap but it's hard it's very hard to get like your ideal lap on a on a racetrack so it, there's been a couple times where I've nailed a lap and I've been pumped about it but uh there's always something you could probably do a little bit better 
Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's. They say that about golf, you can play it your whole life and not actually perfect it. And I always wonder. Jake's that, almost perfected his. Well, golf that's team. what I was. That's that was my transition. Have you ever perfected a perfect your perfect uh, golf? If you see me play golf, I'm far from perfect. But I just got into it in October. It's like I love it right now. It's, yeah, it's just something so new. challenging. It's, yeah, it's something new and challenging. And it's like I went and got fitted for a set of clubs. Bought a nice set of clubs because like. Uh, my girlfriend's family and I went on vacation in in October and I hadn't like I played golf a little bit back with Roger and them, but I wasn't good and I was afraid all of her uncles and her dad and brother were good and I was like bailed out on going with them to a nice course in Florida and when we got back I'm like all right I'm gonna start getting better so I can go next fall break and uh, I've I've been trying to get out at least once a week sometimes twice a week uh, I'm not very good but I love it right now it's almost just as fun as as uh, riding motorcycles to me right now. Do they? Do you have to buy two sets and they weld them together? <laughs> no. How's that custom work? <laughs> I mean, are the grips like this? <laughs> yeah, the grips are longer, but I mean, it, it did help me. You know, I, before uh, when I played with Roger and Nick, I had a fifty dollars set of yard sale clubs, and now <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. Now it's like I spend quite a bit of money getting a set of clubs just so I could get better, and that, that fit me, and it did make a hell of a difference. Yeah. All right, so here's another wild ass question for you. So I'm not I'm going to I'm going to ask this about Supersport instead of King of the Baggers because what I'm going to ask, you guys are breaking records every every round it seems like in King of the Baggers and and it's been that way with Hooligan too. I mean, it's early days and you're lowering lap times all the time. So let's talk about Supersport. Is it harder in, for you in Supersport and this is because of what we know Supersport used to be. There are some lap records that Garrett Gerloff still has. Is it harder to break a lap record in super sport than it is to get a hole in one in golf? <laughs> I've never got a hole in one. or It'll probably be a while before I get close, but I think super sport bikes are, the engine and stuffs are different than back in the day, you know, in 2013, 2014, and, you know, when Gerloff and JD and DeBeast were on them in 15 through 17, the bikes were pretty fast, and we were hauling ass back then, and, now, you know, when I jumped on that 750 at Road America for the first time, I hadn't rode a 600 since 2014 besides, you know, at a couple track days with Team Hammer back in the day. But they just feel slower now. And uh, mm. the lap times are close. But, I mean, at some tracks, we're pretty good ways off with Gerloff and JD and those guys. They were just doing. don't have that snap. Yeah, they are. don't have that snap. You know, like when I rode it at Road America, especially with that new pavement, like I could go in the turn and literally hold the thing wide open as soon as I got in there, which blew my mind because, you know, back in the day, when, you know, Gagne and Eslick and all of us, you know, we're on 600s going at it. I mean, you would spin up and some stuff would happen where now the bikes just literally don't even spin up. Like, I haven't spun that 750 up one time. Uh, it's pretty wild. It's crazy. We were talking to one of our marshals this morning. His name's Lee. Um, I think it's Holloman. He used to race in Wira against you. Um, he's <laughs> Not said, really against him. <laughs> in, in USGPRU on those 125s, he said – he couldn't believe how fast you were then. He said, I, I shouldn't even been on the same track as you. <laughs> he said that. And, and I told him I was going to tell you that. He surprised me because he said, you know, we weren't sure about Garrett Gerloff back then, but we knew about Jake Lewis. Isn't that funny? Well, I mean, <laughs> it is crazy, but uh, I know exactly what he's talking about. Okay, because, tell us uh, what that is. You know, I grew up USGPRU, did CMRA a lot. And then, I mean, my dad and mechanic would literally take me every single weekend riding. I mean. I rode a motorcycle Thursday to Sunday almost every weekend, dirt bike or little bikes or road race bike. And uh, I did USGPRE from 2008 until 2010 or 11. And uh, one year, you know, I pretty much won all the Milwaukee races and 
125, I was competitive and Garrett wasn't that fast. And then we came back the next, the next, uh, race was at Jennings the next year and Garrett was hauling ass and he was just the same speed as me. And like, we were big rivals from the time we were yeah. 2008 until 600s. And even, you know, when, it, when we were on super bikes and, uh, Garrett pretty much changed the game. Like when we were on more walkies, cause I was riding a Veloce Aprilia 125 and that bike was badass, but he was on a, a Honda 250R and that thing would just launch off the line and uh he, he beat our ass like two races in a row and then me my dad and Earl like we gotta do something so we built one that was just as fast as as his and then me and him would go neck and neck and then it carried on to we're 600s I mean in we're 600s you know 2011 I was on a baby blue R6 uh, sponsored by a pawn shop and he was riding the Graves R6 and we had some uh, big, big battles. And I remember Chuck Graves was getting pissed that I beat Garrett at some of the races. And I mean, me and Garrett wouldn't even like talk to each other that much as amateurs because we wanted to beat each other so bad. And it was the year before we went pro and we had some good battles, which uh, made it made it fun when we were 15 years old. Yeah. But even back then, it's cool to see where his career go has gone because even back then he was like a super health nut and was into training where I was just racing every weekend. I didn't know anything about training. I was just riding bikes. And I remember it was a funny story. We were at Talladega GP once and he brought over an avocado and was eating avocado and I was eating an oatmeal cream pie. <laughs> I'd never seen an avocado in my life. I remember you would eat those. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Well, we're going to wrap here. We run out of time a little bit, but Jake, we're looking forward to seeing you race this weekend. So two classes this weekend, Mission King of the Baggers on the team Saddleman, Harley Davidson Road Glide, and Disrupt Racing on the GSX Suzuki GSXR 750, and you also race in Mission uh, uh, Hooligan, Super Hooligan National Championship. It's a lot. It's, uh, it's more a lot than going I can... on, yeah. But I'm ready to go for the weekend. It should be a good weekend. You yeah. know, it's one of my favorite tracks up here. All right, so make sure you guys watch Jake race. I mean, he's going to do well this weekend. Thank you, Jake. Thanks, Thanks for Jake. having me on. Thanks.